Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, we're good to go, Tess. Ding, ding, ding. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tuesday Night Race Chat Live for your opening contest. It is a four-on-one, no disqualification, handicap match. Step for one fall in the corner to my right. Coming out of the Chevy camp representing Trek House Racing, Watermelon Farmer Boy, Ross Crash Stain. And in the corner to my left, a team out of the Toyota camp. Denny Hamster, Kyle Rowdy Bush, Martin T-Rex Jr., Christopher Ding Dong Bell, Joe Gibbs Racing. Let's see the match go down in history, folks, tonight here on Race Chat Live. (laughs) Great job, Taylor. I don't know if you wrote that down or you just played it in your mind that many times, but well done, man. Well done. It is Race Chat Live, Race Fans, man. Oh, man, we got a lot to get uh, get to here tonight. Uh, we will uh, just be, uh, I believe, me and Taz here tonight. Uh, Craig is out on assignment, and Miss Lee is uh, handling some personal business, and uh, our thoughts are with her uh, at this time. Um, so, yeah. So if you didn't get chastained or you haven't gotten chastained, I guess uh, you're not a real racer, right? Uh, that seems to be uh, the um, uh, the word on the street these days. As a matter of fact, even Google has uh, come up with a new terminology called being chastained. Uh, is it crash-stained or is it Ross the Boss? Uh, 
a lot of those questions, including a whole lot more here tonight on Race Chat Live. I've got uh, Taz Taylor, man. Let's uh, let's talk some Richmond, man. Yeah, Richmond had its moments. I would say it was um, a deep and like an opposite climactic race, I guess you can say. Because normally how things go is like um, you have like the beginning part and then you have things that build up towards the middle and then that kind of like go down at one part then pick things back up towards the end. This one kind of had an entertaining beginning, crappy middle, and an entertaining end. And I say entertaining oh, I... end because Christopher Bell, I thought, was going to catch Harvick. I literally thought he was, and that's where it made things exciting. Plus, Joey Logano, who dominated the race, all of a sudden started falling apart. So it was like, whoa, what the heck happened during that green flag cycle of pit stops? Right, and I didn't know if you were going to say Christopher Bell or Christopher uh, Busher, uh, which was also a uh, funny uh, topic that uh, was created by, of course, uh, none other than uh, NASCAR Jesus, Dale Jr., uh, mixing up Christopher Bell with Chris Busher. And uh, as a fellow Christopher here, uh, most of the time I only operate in business as the alias of Christopher, and I've only done that here recently, but before that, about the only other time I've been called Christopher in my life was when my mama was really mad at me, and she probably called me by my middle name as well, so um, <laughs> uh, Dale <laughs> Jr. is always um, adding something to the sport, and you know, uh, it, Chris Christopher Busher thought it was so cool that he changed his name on Twitter to Christopher Busher just to appease the uh, the fans of NASCAR Jesus Dale Jr. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, stunned. I, I think I could say stunned, right? Kevin Harvick two wins in a row. Only Race yeah. Chat Live and Nastradamus could predict that one. Uh, Taz Taylor. Yeah, but. Uh... When we did our power rankings uh, a couple weeks ago, Craig was on his SpongeBob hangover days and uh, ranked Stuart Haas in number one. And ever since then, Kevin Harvick's been the winner of every race since. Uh, maybe well, Kevin Harvick's little SpongeBob guru must know something. Well, you know, it, it's, we want to we give Craig credit where credit is due because so many times are, do we uh, – use Craig as a doormat instead of uh, giving him uh, the absolute credit that he is uh, he is known for. We, we give him a lot of hell around here at Race Chat Live, and that's just that's, that's, uh, that's all we can do is uh, uh, love each other and give each other hell when need be. But it, it wasn't just Craig Moore that, that uh, come up with the idea of, of Kevin Harvick. If you remember, out of nowhere, a few weeks beforehand, I had picked Kevin Harvick at Pocono, and I think that uh, probably shocked a lot of you uh, when I did that. But the reason why I did that wasn't because I was going back to the bucket that has put me in the hole that I'm in now, but because we have seen speed uh, from the number four machine, from from Harvick. And we didn't really yeah. see speed anywhere else at Stuart Haas Racing, but we definitely – had seen a, a room of improvement, and I, you know, 
Kevin Harvick would have been a, one to reckon with uh, at Pocono had it not been for, uh, I believe, a, 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 somebody got chastised, right? <laughs> I, I, if you kind of go back a week ago to what Craig was kind of saying, I mean, pretty much how he said, said it was. I know he said it in a different way and used different words, but his terminology, basically, you can still teach an old dog new tricks. Right, right. What we got we ain't done here. yet. And he's That's and he's not, not the only one. He's not the only one either because there's a name that we highly, well, we highly sort of mentioned in the beginning of the season. Then we said for quite a while we never said his name at all. Now in the last few weeks we kind of are, and that's Brett Keselowski. And he, I mean, he hasn't had the the strong finishes to show it, but we're seeing speed coming out of not only his car, but the entire RFK camp. Yes, yes. So, look, it is without a doubt that I believe Ford has found something. Whether or not they've been hiding it all the way till now or they found something uh, in the shop, uh, you know, Taz, obviously there has been a switch flipped. And all of a sudden, the Fords are hot. And we've seen this, what, about a month ago, right, with Joe Gibbs Racing. Look, in our power rankings, Joe Gibbs Racing was as far as six. Well, over the last month, we could say there's not been a hotter organization, right? Uh, Now, all of a sudden, here we are, close to playoff time, and Ford's creeping back in the picture. Now, you know, we've got – well, I say we. That's because I, everybody knows I love Ford. Uh, the reason why I get uh, as much hell as I get in the dirt track racing world is because most people in the in the racing world, they're, they're, they're Chevy. They're all Chevy. And most of the people I know and most of my friends, they're all Chevy. But I am the one – I'm the one Ford guy that's uh, got to, you know, be uh, the, the oddball out of the bunch. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you look at the six wins in this year, and then where where we've seen Ford at Richmond, I believe at one point in time there was six Fords or seven Fords in the top ten. So, you know, Richmond was definitely uh, kind of more like a New Hampshire racetrack where we have had speed before. Um, but, uh, yeah, so what, what we plan to talk about later on tonight is uh, Ford's progress. Um, so we don't want to spoil it too much here. Uh, in, in, in this segment, but you you mentioned well, it, Taz Taylor. You mentioned it. Chris Busher was fast. Kozlowski was fast. Yeah. Harvick won the race. Emerola seemed to have a a, a good run there. Uh, but, yep, he uh, did. Um, if if you look at it, four yet five Fords finish in the top ten. Essentially, every other position from Harvick was a Ford. So first, third. Uh, well, Chase Elliott kind of spoiled that one. Six, eight, and ten. Um, then you had Austin Sindrick in 12th, Greg Keselowski in 15th. So he had seven forwards in the top uh, 15. And go, then you have nothing but Chevys all the way till 23rd with Briscoe. So, I mean, some of the guys out of the four camp that we expected to be up front nearly all season, plus if you had Chris Busher um, and Austin Sindrick, really, they're, they're starting to peek through. I mean, we knew Almarola had the talent, but the question was, was it age or was he doubting himself, or is it because 
it's not a top SHR card. And yeah. I think Amaral is starting to push. The, he's either starting to push the equipment or this kind of equal balance is really showing itself. Yeah. We've seen, it's not the first time that we've seen organizations uh, uh, or manufacturers, I should say, uh, getting hot. Uh, it is uh, close to the cutoff line. We're two races away, Taz Taylor, two races away. We've got 15 winners. Uh, uh, while we're on topic here, um, you know, the, this race significance, I believe what we've seen uh, with the uh, – Ryan Blaney was able to capitalize on a whole lot of points coming out of Richmond, not so much on Martin Truex Jr., um, it does feel like there's kind of some separation, but all this can get spoiled, right? Just one win uh, next week or in two weeks at Daytona, and uh, some people will be uh, the odd man out, one man looking in, one man looking out. Uh, it will be yes. interesting to see if Kurt Busch is the guy who gets the boot or here, or if your second-place points leader, Ron Blaney, somehow misses uh, the, the, the playoffs. There's a lot coming up. Uh, later on here in the show when we start discussing uh, Watkins Glen. Um, and I got a bold prediction, and obviously, Chris, if you saw my message about it, you'd know it, but I'll give a bold prediction to the fans that I think is going to happen. But, hey, we've seen wilder things happen this year, so my prediction could be way out the toilet. And remind me that uh, my son made a bold prediction, and it doesn't seem too far-fetched if you really think about it. So, uh, guys, uh, if y'all are listening in to the show here tonight, uh, just know coming up later on, uh, Taz Taylor and I uh, will have some pretty bold predictions um, about uh, uh, this upcoming race here at Watkins Glen. Um Back to Richmond, you know, did, did you watch, did you get a, a chance to watch the truck race? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I did not. I was actually, uh, I had a flag for um, our, one of our uh, champ cart series that travels around New York up here. So I had a, I was a little busy Saturday. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll stay on the subject with the, uh, with the cup cars. I think coming into Richmond, I was expecting a pretty boring race. Uh, that's been kind of what we've had to deal with uh, at, at Richmond over the last several years. Uh, but about 10 laps into the race, all of a sudden, it wasn't a one-groove racetrack. We started seeing guys riding the top. Did that uh, At that point in time, when you when you seen – uh, that the racetrack was going to be a little bit more racier than what we've seen in the past. And so what, what yeah, did you think what, of in that? I saw that, and I was like, wait a minute, we're running the top at Richmond? And I started to think, I was like, did they do something to, like, the track? Like, did they add, um, uh, shoot, I don't know what they call it, but you know where I'm going with this, if yeah, you remember. The uh, right, you know, yeah, the BBJ or whatever, no, they didn't add anything. Yeah, that was and it was weird. It was really weird because, like, I mean, you didn't really see it much through three and four. You kind of saw it through one and two, and and 
you really saw it the best on the restarts. Mm-hmm. And if because if your car wasn't a hundred percent on the inside, you better hope to God somebody on whoever's on the outside of you, you better hope to God that they can't run that outside very well because otherwise you are screwed on the restarts. Right. And we're, we've seen a lot of this, right, Taz Taylor? Anybody that goes to the dirt track knows that that high-side hustler has the advantage going into the straightaway. What we don't normally see is this happening at a short track. Uh, you know, typically you wouldn't have the advantage on the high side at Martinsville. Uh, we wouldn't think of Richmond as basically, uh, you know, uh, where you're cutting the diamond, kind of a dirt track style, but the guys who went to the top in the beginning – were by the names of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Christopher Bell. Uh, I think that uh, a little bit of that dirt tracking, maybe they found something on the simulator. Did it help them in the end? I'm really not sure, Taz, because what I believe happened was uh, some of these guys went to the top of the beginning of the race and they, they wore their tires off uh, because they, there was no uh, there was no rubber built up there. And, you know, it kind of uh, probably uh, ate up that set of tires. But we've seen that strategy used, and also something that I never thought I would ever hear, shifting at Richmond. Like, they were shifting. They were downshifting. And up yeah, that's, and, yeah, if you remember, uh, if you remember, the, if you remember the post-race interview Harvick was saying, um, he said something about he made shifting errors uh, towards the end of the race, which led uh, Christopher Bell to get closer to him. And Harvick even said that, uh, those errors really cost him because he let Christopher Bell get closer than he really wanted him to be. I mean, he didn't really want Bell to be closer, but he, I, but obviously he knew Bell was coming uh, as quickly through the field as Bell was because I think he was somewhere deep in the top ten with like what twenty laps to go, and then all of a sudden he like spurted through the field like it was no tomorrow and including getting through lap traffic better than everyone, including Kevin Harvick. Yeah. Um, there's something lit up underneath that 20 team. Uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, I don't want to bring up the Kyle Busch conspiracy hotline here, but uh, definitely as the others secured their spots in the chase and the further down the rabbit hole, we've gone with Kyle Busch. All of a sudden we've seen Christopher Bale, it was the number four car, kind of, we've made a laughing stock of Christopher Bell all year long. Uh, Tasto, I don't know if there's a hotter driver out there right now. Uh, Christopher Bell, other than maybe Bubba Wallace, you know, which is both those cars are coming out of that Toyota camp. Uh, but uh, Christopher Bell, man, like he was, you know, most of the time in NASCAR, we would see a caution, right? And Kevin Harvick would yeah. not have won that race. Yeah, so... Um, I'm going to briefly touch upon this before we get, I don't want to get too far into detail on it, but you mentioned of how Christopher Bell and how we all thought he would have been like a sleeper pick basically every week. We didn't think he would be a front runner, um, especially all of a sudden now, but we all knew with the, with this playoff system, it's basically winning you're in. If you get more than one win, that really secured your place um, into the playoffs or the chase, whatever you want to call it. And we all know the drivers of the multiple wins, which obviously are Chase Elliott, Shastain, Logano, Harvick, um, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, and Tyler Reddick. Now, 
I was reading on this on uh, NASCAR's website, and I just pulled it up again because I had to make sure I confirmed this. Um, there are three drivers with one win that are locked in because they have enough points to help them out with their win. Uh, Kyle Larson was already locked in going into Richmond, and then uh, two drivers post-Richmond are now locked in that only have one win. And that is the two drivers we pretty much mentioned uh, in the last, like, five minutes, and that's Christopher Bell and Kyle Busch. And I didn't think we would hear the day of Christopher Bell being locked in because I thought when he got his win, he'll be one of the guys on the bottom. And he's he's locked in with one win. And a scenario that seems to be very wild that we could see 17 winners when it's all said and done at the at the end of Daytona. Oh, did we lose you, Chris? Oh, hey. we lost. Oh, okay. Oh, there we go. No, I'm here. Yep. All right. So, did all that? Did all that get missed? What I said? I. Uh, uh, it was quiet. Dead silent. Okay. All right. My bad. Um, if you look at the points and you look at, we all we all thought that Chris Bell was having a pretty bad season, uh, but it just shows Denny Hamlin, I believe, is actually further down in points uh, than Christopher Bell. So, and Martin Jones has had a heck of a point season as well. So, you know, these Toyotas have been running up front. It's, you know, what, uh, what's gotten uh, without Denny Hamlin's, what, two wins, he would be sitting, I think, somewhere around 21st or 20th in points. Uh, so, definitely, uh, we uh, thought. Let me check, let me check, let me check on that because Hamlin is 12th uh, without any playoff points or whatever. Okay. All right, he worked his way back up to 12. Okay. But Christopher Bell said seven. Mm-hmm. And where does Kyle Busch sit? Uh, Kyle Busch is ninth. Wow. I mean, if you look at the regular season points, you have Chase Elliott locked in, guaranteed uh, point leader. Ryan Blaney, um, the only driver so far that's guaranteed uh, – well, only driver so far – as we speak, without a win, he's in the playoffs by points. But, of course, that can't be guaranteed at this point now. Uh, Kyle Larson sits third. He's, he's locked in. Turex fourth, uh, who's, all, who's on the outside looking in. Chastain wow. is locked in, at, uh, sitting in fifth. Uh, Logano locked in at sixth. Christopher Bell locked in at seventh. Kevin Harvick locked in at 8th. Kyle Busch locked in at ninth. William Byron locked in at 10th. Bowman's not guaranteed in 11th. Denny Hamlin's guaranteed in 12th. Suarez not locked in in 13th. Uh, Reddick is locked in at 14th. Sindrick is, lo- is not locked in at 15th. Almarola is 16th. So if we did – so really if we were to base this off points, Right now, Almarola is a cutoff man, and he's three points ahead of Briscoe. If we played the old, uh, the old format, 
where right. uh, at the end of the regular season, the top however many drivers they take in get into the case or whatever. Taz Taylor. And our other, and we, play- our other playoff drivers are sitting 17th and 21st in points. Wow. Who's 21st in points? Uh, Kurt Busch. Wow. Holy smokes. Um, have we outgrown this chase format? Has this year put maybe a question mark on our chase? Because when we have a guy who's sitting second in points and a guy who's sitting fourth in points, they have the chance of being eliminated because they can't get a win, even though they've had a very successful season. So, in the Matt Kenseth era, where he won one race, I believe, and won the championship, um, that's where this playoff stuff was created from. Have we have we now grown back to where we appreciate a Matt Kenseth for putting together such great stats, or possibly a Ryan oh, Newman no. from a few years ago? No, not, have we outgrown no, the change? Not Kenseth. Um, I think you're talking Tony Stewart. No, 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 no. It was the, when the chase was created. Matt Kenseth had won the championship, I believe, in 2003. He won the championship uh, and only won one race in the season, and that's where networks and the NASCAR panicked and said, "Wait a minute, we've got to create something because we can't be crowning a champion uh, that only has one win." Uh, I mean, if you want a driver that really exposed that really exposed the system, you look look down in the truck series, and not that few many years ago, and that's Matt Crafton. And I think oh, yeah. and Craig hit even... a good point. And Craig hit on the mark there too. Kenseth is why we have the playoff system. And another driver that exposed the playoff system as well is Kyle Busch. Um, the first time he won it. Uh, he missed like a third of the season because of injury or something. And then he won like, what was it? One or two races of whatever little regular season he had. And then playoffs, it was like, boom, he took off and, and won the championship. And it was like, how's that even a legit championship? Yeah. yeah and, and you know what? Even last year, uh, Taz, when uh, Daniel – not Daniel Suarez, uh, Daniel Hemrick uh, won the Xfinity Championship. Was it last year or the year before last? I believe it was the year uh, before Hemrick, last. Hemrick, yeah, no, Hemrick was last year. Yeah, last year it was because he won it with – Okay, yeah. Uh, shoot, I think he won it with, like, Junior Motorsports, I think it was, and then he went over to college after. Right, right, right. Or, right. no, he won it with Gibbs. Won it with Gibbs. Okay, right. Gibbs. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, the guy didn't win a single race until the championship race, and uh, he won the championship uh, by winning that race. So, I mean, I I feel like after this year, we have grown older than the chase. We've outgrown the chase, and now I think a lot of emphasis can be put back on how important it is to have a consistent year. Um, Maybe we take the top 12 uh, in wins, and the rest we kind of leave for possibly what we would call a provisional, maybe take the top four. Uh, yeah, okay, you know how we do Daytona qualifying, right, Taz Taylor? 
right? We go out there and we 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 have qualifying oh, you on Sunday. Basically, basically charter cars are locked in, and you have um like so. There's 36 spots, so you have four right. spots available in a 40 car field. So I think we had six this past year. So two locked in on speed, and two got in from the, had the race their way. Oh, okay, I think I'm kind okay, of so, understanding where you're going. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so we keep the same 16, right? We we put in we we forget the win and you're in. We take the top twelve that are based off of wins if we fill those twelve areas, and then we take four that are actually locked into points. It, it's similar to the Daytona qualifying because you have to qualify, and then hopefully you got your good, a good enough time. And when you go to the duels, uh, you can fall back on your time to race your way in. But if not, you can race your way in, right? I mean, if if you had a bad time, so it, it kind of keeps the door open so that we're not penalizing guys who put together very consistent seasons. I'm going to be upset because I know going down to the last two races of the season, there is only one opening to go into the playoffs. One of these guys, or both of these guys, are going to miss the cut. Ryan Blaney and Mark Brooks Jr., both of those guys are in the top five of points. It is critical that these guys make it. And I know it's cool to have a Daniel Suarez in the playoffs, but what's Daniel Suarez? Is he a championship contender? We'll find out here in just a few minutes as we go to contenders or pretenders uh, coming up here uh, in the next uh, few minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, um, um, so is, you threw, it, so it, Chris, you threw in yes. your of how you would run um, the NASCAR, I guess you could say, playoff or chase system, right? So right. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you mine, and I'm going to give you two ways because I'd be okay with one of these two ways if NASCAR were to implement. Well, one of the two ways they're not going to go back to. I hope they do, but I highly ever doubt they're, they are going to ever do it again. But my one of two ways, the first one is back how they used to do it. Um, we'll take the 16 drivers because that's what NASCAR is saying to do. We'll take the 16 drivers and regular season points. Um, those are going to be guys that will chase for the championship at, in the last 10 races. Obviously, points reset. You give the, the, I guess you could say, playoff points or chase points, whatever you want to call them, and that's what they start off with. And then at the end of the 10 races, whoever the high point guy is at the end of those 10 races amongst those 16 drivers is your champion. That's one way. Obviously, NASCAR has done that once before, and they, and I, like I said, I highly ever doubt they're going to go back to that again. The second way is take the top 16 points in the regular season, and then this is where you implicate your playoff system that we have now. So the first round, you could have – Three potential winners move on. Everybody else in points moves on. The bottom four are out. Do the same thing for the next, for the round of eight or 12, round of eight. And then you have your championship four. Now the championship four, I I honestly don't want to do the whole, um, I don't really want to do the whole, I guess you could say like, the first one across, the first one of the four to cross the line is the champion. Kind of feel like that. That's, that's kind of bogus. 
I would say this is where you take your points from the last round of playoffs and see mm-hmm. how many points they can gain in this one race. Right. So right. I like that idea. I, I, I'm with you, Taz. It's kind of crazy to base it off of one game, even even in baseball. Only in in the Super Bowl is it one game, right? Is it one is it one event that crowns a champion? In any other activity, you know, okay, golf and, and tennis, you got me there. But in the stick and ball world, uh, mostly, you know, in hockey and basketball, baseball, you have the equivalent of. So you have four to seven games that you have to play uh, in order to crown a champion. And uh, it can be over quickly, or it may take a little bit longer. But as you said, I think if we took the four uh, races and we combined those and found our champion that way, uh, I would be a little bit more uh, resilient on 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 making that kind of uh, that that kind of change. If, if we just didn't all together cut this out and go back to the old point system. Yeah, I because I, I'm even I, in favor I, of that, Chad. I, I like the old. I like when they did the chase for the cup deal. Uh, ten drivers, ten races, duke it out, basically on points. However, I did not like how they did the points reset with the, um, what you call it, the bonus point deal, where the top driver got like uh, twenty points, and it was like minus two or three points per position. I was just like, that kind of sucks. I was like, I would rather give them bonus points for wins. I mean, you can give it for a regular season champion in a way. I could, I'll let that one slide. But, like, just the whole thing of, oh, yeah, here's 20, 17, and so forth. And it's, just, it's just why? Have everyone on an even playing field. Right. So we got a little bit ahead of ourselves there, uh, or I did at least. I, I was looking uh, at our show schedule a little bit wrong, and my my apologies for that. I believe we have missed uh, our stat of the week segment uh, that should have crossed over at the seven thirty mark. We're running just a tad bit off schedule, um, but uh, so I shared something earlier this week, Taz, that showed. Uh, I believe. Let me pull it up here real quick. Seven, seven nations are represented uh, this this coming up race at Watkins Glen um, for, for the very first time in NASCAR history. Uh, this is the most diverse field uh, of cars ever. I'm looking. My goodness gracious. Where is it at? I swear we posted it, the seven nations that were being represented. I guess not. I am sorry for that. I I could have swore. Oh, okay, here we go. So we don't have the nations represented, but uh, Joey Han, A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Covett, Loris Hesmans, Mike Rockefeller, Kyle Tilly and Kimi Raikkonen are all, uh, I guess, what we would call 
uh, road course ringers. Though that terminology has not been used uh, in a, in a very long time. Man, I am so far out of yeah. whack right now. Taz. There was uh, there was there was a stat I saw, and I now I can't find it on Twitter. But somebody literally had. Oh wait, I got it. Never mind. I somehow found it. So, Chris, you want to you want a stat of the week? I'll give you this one. Ready? Pup Series Field this weekend, and we're going to go down this long list. Eight Cup Championships, one F1 World Championship, hmm. one DTM Championship, one IMSA Championship, one ASLMS Championship, two NASCAR Euro Championships, three Le Mans wins, six Rolex 24 wins, one Monaco win, eight Daytona 500 wins, 341 Cup wins, 21 Formula One wins, 28 IMSA wins, five IndyCar wins. And that is not counting Kurt Busch. And if he is in the field, certain areas of what I just read will increase. Wow. That is, that is cool, man. That is cool. And, and, and you can thank this new car, I believe, for for this uh... – uh, out of uh, racers, from racers coming from other leagues into NASCAR. I mean, it's the new car that's attracted them. It's the it's the car that they've uh, raced before, especially on the IMSA side. They have uh, familiarity with it, uh, with how the uh, the steering and stuff works. Um, I, I don't know if you're ready to share your bold prediction, uh, Taz. Uh, but while we're here, I'm going to share what what my son said. He said Kimi Raikkonen is going to win this race, and I mean, wow, you know, <laughs> that's a bold prediction, man. But I had a hard time arguing it. Look, if this car is as adaptable um, as what they are claiming it to be, and we're looking at track house racing and what they've been able to do, especially at the road courses already, where right? they they've won two of them this season. Uh, we we might could see something that we didn't ever expect to see, right? A, a guy coming in from outside of the sport and dominating over the rest of the field. I doubt that happens, but man, I'm telling you, uh, Kimi Raikkonen could be that guy. That uh, I mean, it's it's been said right here, right? Uh, and and we'll have to give all props to my son Jamie uh, if that were uh, to, to be the case. But uh, the stat of the week, man, I'm telling you. Um, a lot of good things here at Watkins Glen. A lot of cool things uh, that are that are going on um, with with this race this weekend. I want to try to get back on schedule here. Okay, I'm going to do my best. Finland. Okay, Russia, Netherlands, Germany, UK, Mexico, USA, and Finland. Thank you, Ms. Lee. Oh my gosh, I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. All right, so let's get back to the hot topics. Of course, we discussed. MTJ, Blaney, who makes the cut? I think right now, Taz, it's too close to call. Um, I think the MTJ, he's had wins at the road course. Of course, I don't believe Martin Truex Jr. has ever won a big race at a super speedway. So I don't know if that hinders MTJ or helps MTJ. Of course, Blaney has. Blaney has a a Talladega win under his belt, so he has – Plus some runner-up and top five finishes at uh, Daytona, too. Right. So, so, And MTJ has run well at Daytona and Talladega before. 
I just don't think that he's ever uh, won at a super speedway race. So, um, no, nope. you know, the odds are against him, but there again, Blaney has won at a road course. He run it. He won the road, the Roval, the very first Roval a few years ago. Um, so, you, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's kind of a toss up between who will and who won't. And, and it's still a possibility that neither one of these guys, uh, makes the cut. And, and with that, I go back to what, I, what I was harping on earlier. I, I think that it's crazy and would be completely bizarre to have the second place points finisher and the fourth place points finisher or at the end of the regular season, those those guys in those positions do not make the cut uh, in, into the chase. Uh, road ringers are something more. That's our next hot topic of the evening. Um, road ringers are something more. Are we seeing something more here, or are these guys just some hired hands and they're going to try to well, capitalize? Some of these race teams are going to try to capitalize on bringing in some notary drivers uh, that are – Popular well, in other, excuse me, popular in other racing uh, divisions, but um, we've seen this before. So, is it road ringers or is it something else? So, uh, I don't know if we lost you, Chris. You were saying something and it cut out again. So, I don't know if maybe you hit something by accident or. But uh, I want to get my prediction. Yeah, there we go. I want to get to my bold prediction before we get further into this. So, my bold prediction is that we're going to get a repeat winner at the Glen this weekend. Daytona, however, we're going to get another first-time winner. Blaney and Truex don't even make the playoffs. Wow. Wow, that that is a bold prediction, for sure. Um, and our next our next uh, uh, the, the the topic that we had was uh, road ringers or something more. Did you hear that? Did you hear any of that? Road ringers or more? Yeah, road ringers or something more. So we've we've seen a time in road course racing where we've gone in and we've brought in specialized drivers to wheel the car, right? And that, those were in the beginning years of NASCAR going to road courses and teams try to capitalize on better finishes by putting what we would call a road ringer which is a guy from outside of the division of NASCAR and putting them into a, a, a pretty good or decent uh, car or even a backfield car and, and watching them come up to a decent finish. With the, with the new concept of bringing some of these drivers in from outside of the, the league once again, is this something more or is this an opportunity for them to uh, really plant their foot into NASCAR or are we just once again going through the cycle of road ringers uh something that we haven't typically seen over the last 10 years but they could be it could be from where we have cycled ourselves back to that i feel like road course ringers i don't know it's great to bring them in for like one two however many races these teams want to sign them for but in my opinion i think in a way um some of these drivers aren't some of these drivers that get into this kind of car um are not used to this kind of car. They're used to something else with different G forces and things like that. So they're kind of so half the time they're kind of going in cold and they're trying to learn on the fly in a matter of two, three days. 
And sometimes that's hard, um, especially for, I mean, you look at, I'll use a guy in a, um, that went from NASCAR to IndyCar, and Chris, you, that basically just reveals what I just said. But, I mean, I know that these, what I'm talking about is obviously like IndyCar F1 or maybe even sports car to stock car. But right. I'm going to use that because Johnson did say that when he was going from NASCAR stock car to IndyCar, he had to learn all the different G-forces and how the car felt versus how um, going from stock car to IndyCar. Because the stock car is much heavier, whereas an IndyCar, you're not yeah, really busy. heavy. You're, you're, kind of, you're kind of floating on your tires pretty much. And... I mean, I feel like these guys are going to, these road ringers don't really feel like road ringers. I mean, you look at them and be like, oh, these guys are going to be contenders, but it's kind of like they're really not in a sense. So that's where some of these um, these NASCAR regulars are starting to step up to the plate. Like, obviously, Chase Elliott, we've seen him dominate road courses out of freaking nowhere uh, in recent years. Tyler Reddick, who we never thought would be a big road course guy. He had two wins this year, both on road courses. And then uh, Suarez, we knew he was a contender on road courses, but we, I, I would say, I don't think a win was coming from him, but maybe we could say he was being that he came from Mexico and a lot of um, international NASCAR uh, sanctioned races are road courses, unless you go to Canada, mm. but that's besides the point. Right. Yes, I, I, and I'm with you, Taz. I, I think that uh, these guys are going to come in. I mean, we do have a better schedule now with seven road courses uh, where you could put probably put one of these guys into a full-time ride and just see how successful they could be, especially at the road course racing. But I look at these guys as nothing more than a new generation of road ringers. Uh, as, I think that was basically your opinion as well. Uh, these guys are coming in. They're going to you know, try to be a hot hand. Uh, in a car, predominantly these cars that we've listed off are not front marker cars, except for I believe the track house car. Um, so, and we don't really know what we're going to get uh, with uh, with that team at this point in time. But uh, you know, uh, let's see the the car numbers. Okay, so the 27 car that was uh, Jacques Villeneuve, 26 car never heard of. AJ, we know what how successful AJ can be. Probably one of the best road racers uh, in NASCAR, hands down. Joey Hand, I think that we don't, haven't seen him very much, but uh, he, he's been pretty impressive. The Mike Rockefeller, we've never seen. Loris Hesmans, we've never seen. Kimi Raikkonen has raced two races in NASCAR. I believe top 15 finishes in both of them. Um, so, uh, you know, if there's going to be a big surprise this weekend, I definitely uh, would see it coming from a Kimi Raikkonen or an AJ Allmendinger if we were going to count uh if we were going to count the uh uh the, the the success of road ringers. Uh let's see. I guess uh we'll bring on Jared. Jared, are you there? Hey, what's up fellas? How y'all doing? Jared Hudson is <laughs> hey, joined Taz Taylor. All right. Uh so we're in discussion right now. Of road ringers or something more, 
Um, basically, are these guys that are going to come in and dip their hand into the road racing? Uh, Jared, you've been around for a while. You, you, you're a big fan of NASCAR. You remember the old road ringers, right? The old, the old said heads, oh, yeah. right? Old Boris said and stuff. So these Scott guys were from, and... Yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. I've been watching. I've been watching NASCAR since I was a wee little lad in the nineties. Right, right. And I would have watched in the 80s, but I wasn't old enough to know what NASCAR was. Yeah, well, that's what y'all got me for, because I'm old. I'm old. I was born in 1980, and I remember a lot of the 80s racing. Uh, but, yeah, so so um, we've got a new handful of drivers that are from outside of the sport or have experience outside the sport. We went over their names uh, just a few minutes ago. Jared, Joey Hand, A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Covett, Loris Hesmans, Mike Rockefeller, Kyle Tilley, Timmy Raikkonen. These guys are they, are they road are they road ringer specialists or is, or is this an opportunity for something more? Being now that Jared, we have seven road course races on our schedule throughout the NASCAR season. What's your opinion on this? Okay, so I love the fact that these teams bring in these road ringers, road course specialists. Like Boris said, did it for years. Scott Pruitt, it was always big. Jacques Villeneuve did it. Uh, I think Kimmy Rockingham's a really huge pick. I'd like to see him do good. Uh, but you'd be dumb to not pick A.J. Allmendinger because the Dinger, he's the best road racer in NASCAR history. I mean, I, I, I ain't going to lie, Jeff Gordon was my favorite as far as road races, but A.J. Allmendinger, he beats Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, all them guys. He's, and he's better than Chase Elliott on road courses. And... Uh, but I also see that um, there's so many of these others that'll be in there. Like Martin Truex is going to be a sleeper, so we're going we're going to see how good he does. Well, now I tell you what, uh, Taz Taylor and Miss Lee they both predicted that Martin Truex Jr. is not going to make the chase. Uh, I guess you would argue to differ with that, uh, would you not, Jared? Yes, because Truex has already won a road course. And when he won that road course, I don't remember what, what race it was. I, I do remember him winning it. I think it was last season. And he did really good, and I was very shocked. And so to see Truex, and he's just that good of a driver. He could win a race backwards blindfolded. So I want to see him. I want to see him make the chase. I like him. I may not. I may not be a fan of Toyota, but I like. I like him, and I'd like to see him do good. <clears throat> right. All right, so uh, we, we're uh, on to topic C for the evening, Ford. Newfound success, have they found something? Is it right on time? Were they sandbagging? That is the question that we will explore. Uh, my personal belief is probably a little bit of all of it, maybe a little bit of sandbagging, maybe uh, working on the car, uh, trying to uh, get that competitive advantage. Um Listening to the interviews this week from Ford uh, drivers such as uh, Chris Buescher and Brad Keselowski, and obviously with the win of Kevin Harvick back to back, I think it's I think it's a, a a lot different atmosphere than it was maybe we would say three weeks ago with Ford with the Ford camp. Um, you, is it? Yeah, go you ahead. Said they could have been. I mean. Right, I, so. I don't think so. That's, We've that's, seen that's this before. To that's tough to say because you had Logano get his wins early on, mm-hmm. and I mean I can I can go back and look and really say this. Uh, you had Logano who won the class straight out of bag. Brad Keselowski won 
Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher had the team sweep in the Daytona duels. Cindric Afford won the Daytona 500. Chase Briscoe won at Phoenix uh, three races later. Um, then it was basically Toyota or Chevy up until uh, beginning of May when we had Darlington. Logano won there. Then you got Toyota, Chevy. Uh, Blaney won at the end of May at Texas. Um, I believe that was the all-star race. Um, mm-hmm. Then Toyota, Logano won at Gateway. Uh, Suarez, Elliott, Raddick, Elliott, Bell. So basically Chevy... Toyota up until Kevin Harvick in the last two weeks. So I don't think Ford as a whole was really sandbagging. I think there are some Ford teams that knew what they were doing, and there are some Ford teams that struggled. I think one of the four teams, and this is going to be odd to say, that was struggling, but I think they've now found it as a whole, is Stuart Haas. I mean, yeah, Almarola was quietly consistent in staying inside the top 16 in points, basically. Um, Briscoe had an early season win, but, I mean, Stuart Haas was always the quiet bird for the long, uh, for quite a while. And now with Harvey getting to win, uh, his teammates are starting to come through with him, minus Cole Custer, which apparently he's got too much Custer sauce going on in his car. Uh <laughs> But I'm really starting to think it was kind of a mixture of what team, what Ford team was prevailing. I don't think Ford as a whole was sandbagging. And I think Ford entirely now is starting to come through at the right time when the playoffs are starting to approach. I I think these teams like Stuart Haas are finding their magic. And with Kevin Harvick kicking butt and taking names, certainly they found their magic. Yeah, well, I, I, I personally believe that something in, uh, in the manufacturer they found they found something uh, to make their cars better as a whole. I am keeping my eye on the Cole Custer situation because I believe we've had two weeks in a row where that car has had right front issues, and I wonder if they're whatever they found if they're not maybe going to the extreme with one of their lower place cars as they try to you know, really figure out where the thin line is of what they have found. Uh, because it has to be something in the setup, right? Because uh, obviously Keselowski's come out earlier this year and said, look, all the cheating, done. We're not doing that anymore. If you're, if you're caught in this shop doing something that's not approved already, you're, you, you can go work for somebody else. Whether or not that was the right call, whether or not other teams were adopting to that same uh, scenario we'll only see because look we've already watched the racer get disqualified for the first time since 1960 if that didn't send a jolt through some of these garages I don't know what will with that being said if they found something in a setup wise that actually worked a little bit better that would probably be something that would be shared throughout the Ford uh, manufacturing camp so um, obviously, they. I believe they have found. Whether I don't believe that they were sandbagging either, Taz Taylor. And, and and you know we have questions here of whether or not uh, there is a possibility of it. And look, we've seen it before, right? We 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 watched this in the day of the era, right? Where uh, teams would basically claim, oh, we we don't have enough. We need more arrow, you know. And so they would 
they would basically lay back for part of the season and NASCAR would come in and say, okay, well, we found that Fords or Chevys at a disadvantage. We're going to allow y'all to make these changes. What we also didn't know at the time was Ford had had a car that was approved by NASCAR, and then within, I think, about six weeks before the season started, uh, basically, from my understanding, NASCAR reneged on the car because Chevrolet and Toyota cried that Ford would have a better advantage than either one, allowed Chevrolet to change their front nose or, or uh, did something that took away some advantage that Ford had, and it takes this long to catch up to that. Because the one place that we're having issues, and that, that when you read off the tracks that we're one at, the mile-and-a-half speedway seems to be an issue outside of Texas where Ryan Blaney won. Can, I, can you confirm that, Taz, or the mile-and-a-half speedways? Uh, at a disadvantage with Ford based off of stats? Um, you're saying Ford slacking in the Speedway camp or the Super Speedway? Yeah, the Speedway camp, the mile-and-a-half Speedway. Um, Let me check the wins column because... Let me see here. So Yeah, it just seems like Ford's been off at the mile-and-a-half so, Speedway. Let's let's go from the clash and we'll go from there. So Logano's win was on the clash, which is a short track. Uh, the RFK Daytona Dual Sweep Super Speedway, Cindric uh, Super Speedway. Um, and he had two mile and a half tracks, which won, were won by Hendrick uh, Phoenix. You can argue if it's a short track or a cookie cutter speedway track. Whichever you want to argue, that was a Ford win there. Uh, Atlanta is a mile-and-a-half super speedway. That was a Chevy. Uh, Road course Chevy. Short track Toyota. Short track Chevy. Uh, Dirt Toyota. Super speedway Chevy. Mile-and-a-half Chevy. Uh, Darlington, you could say, is a mile-and-a-half. There's... So but it's really not a typical mile and a half. It's not a typical Darlington? mile and a half. Yes, no, it's not a typical mile and a half. It is. It may be a mile and a half in size, but it's definitely. We're talking about one of the oldest tracks in NASCAR history, right? So that track is not designed to be a cookie-cutter mile and a half speedway. So I would have to say that that's the one exception in the mile and a half program was Darlington, uh, and it's not a typical mile and a half speedway. So if you want to go off that, so we'll see. We'll say two non-traditional uh, speedway wins. Uh, Kansas, it was Toyota. Texas, uh, Texas Toyota. Was Ron no, or oh no, that was the open. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The all-star race, all-star race. There, so there's one. If you want to, con- if you want to count that, uh, Charlotte Gateway. Uh, that, that's a speedway race, but. Again, whip uh, was classified as a cookie cutter or not because Logano right, won not. that race. Right. All right. So not there's three non-traditional. Right. Three non-traditional. Um, only one traditional, and that was Kevin Harvick last week. So one traditional and three non-traditional. <coughs> Wow. So there, there it is. I mean, obviously Ford has been 
uh, at a disadvantage at some of these mile-and-a-half speedways and uh, maybe now, up to now. And, of course, Harvick said uh, in a previous interview that they feel like it didn't all just turn on all of a sudden last week when they won, that this was something that uh, has been brewing since the track at uh, Nashville. Uh, so since then, they have felt like they were moving uh, in the right direction. Um, let's go to Tyler. And if Ford can do good on the road course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ford can definitely. And, and I believe, you know, with these uh, – uh, with the road course and the super speedway racing uh, racetracks coming up, that uh, these, these are two racetracks where it, there's not one specific advantage. I would like to say that probably Richard Childress has some kind of competitive advantage, or the other Chevy cars besides Hendrick have a competitive advantage at the road course races. I'm not sure how they got that competitive advantage, but I believe it may have something to do with the designer of the car, which is Richard Childress. So maybe they knew something, was able to pinpoint something from the from get go. Plus, they've had more <coughs> time in the car, seeing that they helped design it. So let's get to topic D before we move to contenders and pretenders in the upcoming chase. Um, so this was kind of a this was kind of an open. I think that we've talked about it week in week out. I, I want to give my thoughts real quick. Okay, so the question: Give give slash tie or. Should we say Kyle slash Ty? So uh, basically, what we need to figure out here is who's taking whose job, right? Because Ty Gibbs has taken Kurt Busch's job or taken his seat during the time that he's been injured, and we've seen him put together some pretty some pretty good runs. Kyle Busch, on the other hand, you know the contract situation is all up in the air. We don't know which way that's going to go. It doesn't look good. Um, uh, Rumbles, uh, Kyle being Kyle. Um, and so Ty's doing good. Kyle's not. Does Ty stay in the 45 car if Kurt doesn't come back? And that opens the door for Kyle Bush to sign maybe a one year deal in the 18. Well, because let me tell you, sir, if I'm Michael Jordan, I felt, I felt pretty good about my jump brand being on the car of Ty Gibbs, who could be very well the future of NASCAR. Right. Well, I, mean, that, well, that, I want a certain feel to that. I. How about Jared go first? Because I have a couple. I have two ways this is going to go. He's got a well. I just want. I just want Kurt Busch to come back full time because that's my dude, man. I, I, I I've been following Kurt Busch for years, and I want to say he still got some more wins in him. I think the doctors will clear him soon, and I'm just not sold on Ty Gibbs yet. But I will say this. One of the things I like about Ty Gibbs is his his strong, you know, faith in Christianity and God. And he always, when he wins, I'm very impressed with what his interviews. He says he always thanks God first, and then he talks about, you know, how Joe Gibbs did this and that. So I mean, he's a great guy and a great driver. But I just want to see Kurt Busch back. Right. So a very very oh. aggressive driver. Um, but. Uh, Oh, I have two. I have two things. This I have two ways this is going to go, and I see this being where Kyle Busch is going to get the boot from Joe Gibbs. So, scenario number one: Kurt Busch is basically forced to retire, which is unfortunate. Obviously, obviously, a lot of NASCAR fans don't want to see a driver retire that way, and obviously, Kyle doesn't want to either. So, with that said, 
Um, Hurt is going to retire, which opens a 45. And that now says, okay, so you have the 45 and 18. But if Kyle Busch is getting the boot, that means he takes over his brother in the 45 at 2311, which means it's going to be Ty Gibbs going in that car because of funding. If it were me, if I were owning that team and the 18 car was open, I would go after the talent and maturity. And that there would mean I overlook Ty Gibbs, leave him in Xfinity for at least one more year because you're going to have Truex who's basically basically another contract year next year depending on if he retires or not. So I would keep Ty and Xfinity, let him build more seat time. And I would put John Hunter Nemechek in the 18. And the reason why is because you put him in top equipment. We've seen it in trucks. He's contending for wins easily week in, week out. He's got experience in the Cup Series, so he knows the drivers to race around. And now scenario number two is going to be Gibbs obviously giving the boot to um, Kyle Busch. Kurt Busch comes back in the 45. So 2311 stays the same. Uh, I'm still on the whole deal of John Hunter versus Ty Gibbs type deal for the 18. This is going to give Cole Custer the boot at SHR and Kyle Busch comes in and takes over him. Amarola stays for one more year. So Ford can develop a well-talented driver. Or Custer moves to the 10. Wow. That's a lot of moving parts. (laughs) I would say say that if I'm Michael Jordan, I'm going to uh, sponsor Ty Gibbs in his early part of his career. Now, whether or not that moves the jump brand over to the 18 car for Ty to take over that machine, um, we want to we want to see Kyle Busch over, but I do not see Kyle Busch staying with Toyota if he's kicked out of Joe Gibbs, right? And I don't see him going over well, and driving for Denny Hamlin. Um, so, you know, I, I think don't. that if Kyle Busch gets the boot, he's, he's getting the boot. Well, I, I don't see Kyle Busch going nowhere because – I follow, I follow a lot of these racers on Facebook, and I seen that post the other day. I think it was Kyle Busch made a post, or it may have been an interview, where he said he wasn't, you know, he's gonna be in racing for several years to come, and then he's gonna pass it on. Or actually, he said he's gonna race and let his son Braxton to where he can race against him one day. And Joe Gibbs, he knows that Kyle Busch is one of the most winningest drivers in the Truck Series history. Won at Xfinity, won in all these different. He would be stupid to get rid of Kyle Busch, which I know. Kyle ain't had no wins in a while, but still, Kyle Busch is such a big name and brings in all these sponsors. I don't think he's going nowhere from Joe Gibbs, unless he really thinks he's got somewhere else to, you know. Yeah, I I continue to say that I believe Kyle Busch is going to wind up at SHR, Um, whether or not Bush Beer is his sponsorship, whether or not he becomes the bacon man. Um, I think Eric Amarola has really thrown a wrench into that. I believe that it was set up for Smithfield Bacon uh, to be the sponsorship that was touted to Kyle Busch, whether or not he would have signed the contract. And Eric Amarola 
got word that uh, Smithfield would be willing to sponsor, uh, continue their sponsorship, and now Eric Amarillo is trying to renege on retiring. And I don't blame him because I'm sure he gets part of the cut from the sponsorship deal, and so he really thought that his time was running out and would not be able to do that. So I, I don't know how that come about or why the situation is where Eric Amarillo is trying to not retire, and uh, I think, but it has a lot to well, do uh, with Smith Smithfield Bacon with Kyle Busch. I, I wish that Eric Ty- Amarillo would stay. Right. Um, but what, how come? Well, I, I'm just a fan of his. I've been watching him for years. He's a darn good driver. And the wins that he's won, he didn't win by no fluke. He had some pretty good victories where he got, you know, won by a good margin or whatever. Just has a lot of talent there. And, and I see so many of these drivers, in my opinion, retiring too early, which now he said it himself last year. That, that he wants to focus more on his family and he didn't want to miss out on his kids doing this and that, and that's the reason why he is retiring. But but if, like you're saying, if he's regretting retiring, I think he's probably saying, oh, I, I still got more races left in me and, you know. <clears throat> now, Miss Lee believes that Ty needs another year uh, in the Xfinity Series. I think we could all agree he could definitely benefit uh, from that. But – their grandpa may have a different opinion and and maybe so because uh basically you're going to be paying 14 million dollars uh to an outside driver who helped build your organization and turn it into the champions championship winning organization it is today not only through that but also through the farm system that Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch has created uh with his truck and former Xfinity race team but with that being said, uh, you're paying your grandson, who has a place to live, has all the all the nice cars, basically has had a silver spoon his whole life, and you don't have to pay him much because he's basically already taken care of anyway as being the grandson of, uh, of, of Joe Gibbs, similar to what we've seen with Dale Jr., right, in his beginning years uh, at DEI. It really didn't matter what, they, what he was getting paid because basically – uh, he was the, the son of Dale Senior. So, um, economic-wise, I see it as a as a as the right move for for an organization like Joe Gibbs, uh, because we've seen the refreshment of Hendrick Motorsports just a few years ago, where it was basically daddy daycare for Jimmy Johnson. So this is uh, not a, a surprising move. It wouldn't be a surprising move if Joe Gibbs decided to go in that direction um, and and bring Ty along. As I said before, I believe seeing the jump brand on Ty Gibbs, it really, it really kind of got me going there and feeling like maybe Michael Jordan uh, can expand his, uh, uh, you know, um, his uh, resources and put the jump brand on uh, Ty Gibbs' race car. I think that those two. Uh, could really go places like this is the kid, the rising star of NASCAR and, you know, an iconic brand such as the Jumpman brand. Uh, that could be a great beginning of a partnership right there. And it was by fluke that it happened being that uh, Kurt Busch uh, should have been in the 45 this past weekend. Um, we're running a little bit behind schedule, so we're going to try to speed things up here. Uh, any last comments on the Kyle Busch, Ty Gibbs, other than – what what? How cool was that watching them race each other side by side uh, for about 15 laps there? I thought that was probably the cool point of the race. 
Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go into contenders and pretenders, and this is uh, going to be a pretty quick segment. I didn't expect to spend much time on it. Uh, but we're going to go over, I believe, the top 20 that's in points. Um, if you can get that pulled up for us, Taz. Yep, I have I have everything here right now. You want wait? You want the playoff standings as if the playoffs were to start now, or do you want the regular season points? Uh, let's do it if the playoffs were to start now, because uh, okay. because we got a couple of guys on the bubble, and we'll be able to say whether or not we believe that those are contenders or pretenders. I, I, that's why I, I felt like somewhere probably around twenty. We'll we'll try to make it quick too. No, no long drawn out. Uh, this you know I don't really think there's a need for that, but I do want to know at the table. Who who believes who could be a serious championship contender and who is basically a championship pretender? Because we've had a lot of wins this year from people that we weren't expecting, from drivers that we weren't expecting, and whether or not that can roll into a championship, a true championship bid. I think we I think we're all going to be kind of similar on who we think is real in this championship and who may have just got them a win and and, and earned a spot in the playoffs. All right, so basically, if the playoffs were to start today, let's look at the top four, then we'll look at the bottom four and go from there. So the top four, Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, Joey Logano, Kyle Larson. Um, I... And based upon an article I found from NASCAR.com, three of those four drivers I mentioned um, are the top three that have the best odds of winning the NASCAR championship, that being Chase Elliott, who from the start of the season was predicted a 5-1 to one chance, now has a 3-1 to one chance. Ross Chastain with the giant jump of being predicted at the beginning of the season with a 150-to-1 shot to now an 8-to-1 shot. And Kyle Larson went down from a 3-to-1 shot at the beginning of the season to an 8-to-1 shot now. So I would say those three definitely have the chance. Um, Logano... I wouldn't say a championship contender just yet. That could be that could, that argument could go back and forth, and I'd be okay with that. But I don't see. I see contender, but not championship contender. So Larson, Logano, Elliott, and Chastain. Is that the four? Those are the four we're working on. All right, all right. Kyle Larson, you are not having the season that you had last year. It is very hard to believe that you are going to be a serious contender, okay? Um, We've seen bits and spurts of consistency through the five car, but we've not seen the dominance that we've seen the, the year before which is concerning because you, you would expect it as, as, as Kyle Bush, I mean, as Kyle Larson come on that you would have, you know, 
had some of that continued success. And I believe at the beginning of the season, Larson really thought that he was fixing to get on a roll uh, with his win at California and, uh, and and knock him down a couple ones real quick. But unfortunately, the best driver at Hendrick Motorsports has been, once again, Chase Elliott this year. Um, Chase Elliott, serious contender. Like, there's no way, like, you, you know, whether or not he, he gets to the Final Four, he's in the Final Eight, he is a serious threat. You have to say yes. He's got four wins, right? So, a uh, serious threat for sure. Joey Logano, probably the strongest Ford up until now. Whether or not Kevin Harvick is knocking on that door, uh, being uh, a serious contender or possibly a pretender, we'll, we'll, we'll analyze that here in just a few minutes. But as for Joey Logano, he has been the strongest Ford in the Ford camp, I believe, uh, with the manufacturing support and all the resources of Penske. If Logano is in the final eight or final four, I find him to be a very serious uh, contender uh, to win the championship. As for Ross Chastain, guys, you're going to probably fall out of your bar stool. I have not <laughs> given Chastain as much credit as everybody else has here at the 110 Nation. I have not been as impressed with Ross Chastain as everybody. Do I think that that car has a lot of speed? Do I see him running up front in a lot of races? Yes, but who keeps getting in his own damn way? He does. Ross Chastain is his own worst enemy. Based off all the people that he's pissed off already this year, it's hard to say that uh, Ross Chastain will be a serious contender uh, for this uh, this upcoming chase. I find Ross Chastain to be a pretender. And, you know, you know Ross, he's – I don't know – he. I think he's a darn good driver, and I, I have no problems with him other than the fact he's wrecked a lot of people this year. And even Kyle Busch, and you know how Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch always cries after most races. And he, he even said it Sunday, which I agree with Kyle Busch on this one, actually, when he said, yeah, Ross Chastain, just run, run me over again or something like that. And he Ross is a darn good driver. <laughs> he just needs to quit running people over. You know, this, this ain't Chicken Little or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, so it's very hard to consider him an honest-to-goodness uh, championship contender based off all the – I don't know if you guys remember, was it Total Team Control or something, 08, NASCAR 08, where you roughed the feathers of the other drivers and they would retaliate on you? Uh, that's what yep. we're going to mm-hmm. see. That's what we're going to see uh, is once the chase starts with Ross Chastain. They're going to try to put him – uh, behind the ball pretty quick. There, there'll be some scores evened out uh, the moment <laughs> we reset in these points. Uh, Taz, uh, what what are your pretenders, contenders in the top four? Come on. We got a row. Um, contenders, definitely, definitely Elliot. Um, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm a Larson fan, and I'm going to side with him on this one. And I, heard, I understand Chris's point, and I agree with that then. But something's telling me Larson's Larson's slacking somewhere. I'm not sure if the equipment or if it's the or if it's the driver, like kind of um, who gave himself too much confidence going into this season when he you should know be like, okay, I won a championship, start refresh. Last year's last year, this is this year. We'll take some of that confidence. Well, let's not get overconfident in ourselves. And I think he's done that. I think he brought too much we, confidence with him, which could, which is affecting his performance. 
Because he's Will. bet. There's been a couple races he honestly could have won, but I think I don't know if it was a pit crew deal or a driver deal that choked him away. Um, I and it's not anything I have against Cliff Daniels. Cliff Daniels, I believe, is a great crew chief, and he's got the right driver behind him. Um, it's something is not there with Larson. I think he's overconfident, but I do see him as a contender. Logano. Um, I'll say contender, Shastain. For now, I'm back and forth, but I'm leaning a little bit, not a lot, a little bit towards contender. Okay. Next four. Um, Five through eight at the moment would be Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin. Uh, Blaney... Nothing's convinced me that he's a contender, so I'm going to say pretender off the bat. William Byron had early season greatness and then kind of slipped away there um, lately, so I would say pretender there. Kevin Harvick went from sleeper to holy crap, where did he come from? So I would say swing towards the contender side of him. Hamlin's been up and down, so... I'm not going to label him as anything. I'm going to leave him as neutral. All right. What about you, uh, Jared? So uh, I believe our contenders or pretenders, William Byron. Um, <laughs> what, did, what did you say? Uh, Ryan Blaney, Blaney? Yep. Blaney, Byron, Harvick, Hamlin. All right. All right. So – I think Kevin Harvick's going to make it, and he's my pick to win the whole championship. I'm, I'm a Kevin Harvick, big Kevin Harvick fan, so I think he's going to kick butt and take names. He's won two races in a row. He's, you know, he. The, uh, it's like my brother Mari told me the other day. So there's a win for the old guys because he's about my brother's age. So that was cool. <laughs> and and so, and then I got Denny Hamlin not make, not being a contender because you know he just I don't know he. I like Denny in a way, but then again, I don't like him in another way. It's kind of like Kyle Busch. He gets on my nerves a lot of times. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, I, I don't see him as a contender because he's, he's probably going to choke, and like usual. And then William Byron, uh, he's good, but he hasn't shown to me this year what he showed last year. And then what was the other one, Joey Logano? No. Ryan Blaney. Okay. Oh, Ryan Blaney. Oh, uh, I like Ryan Blaney. Uh, I think that I think that win's coming for Blaney. He just he's been struggling here lately, but I I, I like Ryan Blaney way over Denny Hamlin. So, um, Blaney, you got to prove it to me that you can make it there. Once you make it there, if you make it in the chase, I believe that you will be a serious contender uh, because uh, you know basically he's got the resources behind him. Penske's gonna. Uh, put uh, all the all the resources that he can into his two teams and try to get them as far into the playoffs as possible. Penske is no stranger to this to this style, uh, style playoff system. Uh, if we go back beforehand, before the chase ever was started, Penske had never won a championship. So both championships have come in the chase era from Keselowski and from Lagana. So you're talking about a team that really knows how. Uh, to get the most out of the last 10 races of the season. Um, as for William Byron, I would want to think that he is a contender. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those I've been on fire about William Byron the last two years. He's yet to he's yet to really come out 
and have that breakout year like I've expected. Was this year has this year been a little bit better? Sure, he's got a couple of wins already. Um, so you know, but is he a serious contender? I, I'm in a question mark. I don't want to say yes and I don't want to say no. I think he's one of the few that I, that I'm leaving with a question mark. Yeah, and being a contender is going to be the, the the top eight guys, right? I mean, because those guys are going to be the ones that are in the final rounds that that make or break. Whether or not the top four stays the way it like it is, it's probably going to. Uh, in the final four, maybe one or two drivers that may not be there uh, that are there now. But um, William Byron is one of those question marks. And the reason why I leave him as a question mark is that, of course, he's in solid equipment. He's in Hendrick's uh, equipment. And, and we could see all four of Hendrick drivers uh, in the in the final race of the season running for a championship. As for Denny Hamlin, I don't know if you have a guy who's hotter, right? Um, I think that for sure – Denny Hamlin is a contender. He is out to prove to the world that he's not Mark Martin, and he he's going to win a championship. Though he hasn't won one yet, um, I, I I don't see any give up in Denny Hamlin, and this could be his year. Uh, FedEx, the modern uh, the modern day Mark Martin. Oh no! Yeah, he, he could be he, Grandpa Junior. <laughs> he even said himself, "That's not a bad comparison." So. Um, but Hamlin's been hot all year long. He's got some pit crew issues that keep uh, that that they keep coming up, and that that's not going to be um, a way you win a championship in, uh, in in November if these continue to happen. But uh, based off of wins and based off the season he's had, yes, he is a serious contender. And for Harvick, you know, he's peaking at the right time. He's known as the closer, serious contender. There's no way that I can, you know, I'm an old man of wisdom, and Harvick's saying all the right things right now. Unlike Tony Stewart, the year that he come out of nowhere to win a championship, uh, Tony was a little bit more critical. He had to go some, uh, you know, get rid of some uh, access uh, baggage, I believe was his terminology, uh, about his dead <laughs> girlfriend at the time. And, uh, of course, he was going through the Kevin Ward thing. A lot of things kind of led up to that Tony Stewart uh, championship that year, so um, um, you know I'm definitely not uh, going to count out Kevin Harvick. He's you know the old man still got it. So um, let's go to our, our next four there, Taz. And I think we're gonna get it's gonna get a little bit easier as we start getting outside yep. of the top eight. Yep. So we got Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch, Chase Briscoe, easily pretenders. I'm going to say Chase Briscoe. Uh, Tyler Reddick, I've only seen – for Tyler Reddick, for me, of what I've seen so far, the oval that he should have won, he's choked away. And the road courses, he's shockingly won. So when it comes to – so if he's going to rely on this playoff system based on road courses, he's going to be – he's a pretender. I don't see – him um, until he gets that oval success from start to finish. I'm sorry, he's out the window. Christopher Bell peak just like Kevin Harvick peaking at the right moment. So I would say not a not a strong contender, but at least a contender. Kyle Busch. Um, I would say at the moment maybe. Slightly bit a pretender, only because he's had some struggles in the last number of weeks. 
So I would have to lean him towards pretender, but I'm not going to shy him away from being a contender. All right, Christopher Bell, as you said and stated, we've stated already, speaking at the right moment, one of the fastest uh, in the Joe Gibbs garage. Depends on if he's going to have to race Martin Truex Jr. If Truex Jr. finds a way to get in. Um, you have Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and uh, Christopher Bell. Is Christopher Bell ahead of any of the two other Joe Gibbs drivers that I mentioned? I don't know. I do feel like Kyle Busch and his Kyle Busch attitude that if he were to win a championship, you know, some guys, they fall under pressure. Other guys thrive under pressure. Um, and, and we know that somewhere in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a decision made, right? We're going to hear that Joe Gibbs has parted ways with Kyle Busch. Or we're going to hear Kyle Busch is signed with somebody. Or we're going to see all of a sudden magic happen. And Kyle Busch signs a one-year extension uh, with Joe Gibbs Racing, and everything works out fine, and then Kyle Busch runs off and wins the championship. I think the way that he wins the championship is he's pissed off. So I'm going to give Kyle Busch the benefit of the doubt here and feel like all this is going to build up to make him a better racer and it's going to push him to uh, to win a championship uh, as other people. I guess, you know, the whole doubt is whether or not you're going to be getting the prime of Kyle Busch if you sign him to a long-term extension up to four years, and or even eight years, as Kyle Busch has said that he wants to drive. So Kyle's telling you he's still going to drive another eight years. That means he's still got plenty of racing left in him, and uh, Kyle believes in himself he has not exactly hit his prime. So I have to keep him as a serious contender. Um, as for Briscoe, he's out the window. Uh, no, not a serious contender at all. I don't see no chance in hell. Um, and as for the, uh, what was it? What's the one I'm missing? Uh, uh, Reddick, Tyler Reddick. Oh, Tyler Reddick. Yeah, Tyler Reddick. Wow. So that guy, maybe. Like, you know, he's a, another one of those drivers that, uh, you know, he's already taking care of his business. He knows where he's going in 2024. He may be there in 2023. We'll have to see. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to depend on Kurt Busch and a lot of that's going to depend on Kyle Busch. Um, So if Toyota loses both of those drivers, uh, I believe that uh, you could uh, seriously see uh, one of those slots filled um, with with Tyler Ray earlier than what we thought. So we've seen Childress before carry a couple of drivers into the final playoffs uh, race. Definitely, if Tyler gets on a, on a certain role, uh, the way that the tracks are lined up, he might very well be there. I just don't see it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep Tyler Reddick as a as a pretender. Um, and uh, so, how about you, uh, Jared? All right, uh, I like Tyler Reddick. I think he the races he's won, he dominated. The races he lost, he still dominated. Just couldn't pu- pull the finish out. So I got him as a contender. Uh, I really like Chase Briscoe, but I'm kind of like with y'all, you know, pretender. As far as Kyle Busch, uh, he's one of those. He look, he could, uh, he could win. He could take a go kart out there and win with it. That's just, it's just a matter of fact. Is does his team have the chemistry set up? Everything has to be gelled together for Kyle Busch to get a win and make that championship. There's no doubt he can do it because. 
Kevin Harvick just tied Kyle Busch with 60 wins of all time. I think it was like ninth on the list or something like that. So Kyle Busch can definitely – I see more wins coming, but I don't know. I don't, I'm kind of halfway on pretender and contender on that one. It's hard to believe that there's like a four-year difference between those two drivers and the start of their careers. So, uh, you know, that just shows the success. <laughs> that Kyle Busch has had over his over his lifespan, but also he's been with two top-notch organizations um, throughout his career, Hendrick, starting with Hendrick, and then moving on to Joe Gibbs Racing, where Kevin Harvick had a, you know, a, a pretty good beginning stretch with RCR, but there towards the end, RCR was definitely down in performance. It was becoming more of a second-tier team uh, than a first-tier, which, you know, we've seen very, very quickly when Kevin Harvick moved over to Stuart Haas Racing, he was quickly a challenger and a contender for a championship and did pick him up a championship uh, in the number four car. So, uh, um, you know, Richard Childress has been here before. Um, Whether or not uh, Tyler Reddick can put together that at the end is still up in the air. Uh, Taz, let's go with the final four. So the and we don't mean the four, final four. Yeah, the bottom, the bottom feeders there. The the, the bottom four, um, one of them, one of them is going to be basically if he comes back, we'll see how he does. The other three easily pretenders. Uh, so the bottom four are Kurt Busch, Daniel Suarez, Austin Cindric, Alex Bowman. Easily the the last three names I said they're pretenders, and Kurt Busch if he comes back. Um, I would like to see him be a contender right out of the gate, but I don't see him. I don't see that happening. So unfortunately, I have to put him as a pretender. I can see Kyle uh, Kurt Busch coming back and putting together a string of uh, uh, strong runs. Uh, you know, mentally, he's probably going to be stronger and more rested than the other drivers. So uh, you know, plus he'll be you know really. Uh, wanting to prove that he still belongs there, if that's the way that he intends to go. Um, so Kurt Busch being, you know, a serious contender, there's question marks that'll that'll have to go uh, with Kurt Busch. And I, I want to put in an honorable mention since uh, Martin Truex Jr. is actually sitting outside of the chase. We'll we'll use him in our last uh, as as the one guy who we think maybe if he were to get in would have a possible chance. Uh, but as for the other three, what other three did you say? Uh, not Briscoe. Uh, uh, Daniel Suarez. Suarez, Suarez, Cindric, Bowman. Austin Cindric, Alex Bowman. Yeah, those all seem like the third or fourth cars of each of the organizations. Alex Bowman has been known to uh, get a hot streak. He is a, in a Hendrick race car, so it's kind of hard to count him outside of the top eight. But uh, he's definitely going to have to uh, put together one of those streaks if he really wants to be a serious contender. So at this point in time, uh, I would see uh, Alex Bowman as a pretender, along with Austin Cindric, who hasn't had that great of a year. Um, you know, with all the, the stir that was going on, you're looking at Briscoe, who's in his second year uh, in, a, in a struggling Stuart Haas race team, and he's got him a win uh, already. Uh, Austin Cindric is in one of the top three teams in NASCAR, and other outside of the Daytona fluke win, we haven't really seen much, including at road courses where Cindric was supposed to be 
um, you know, then the next uh, uh, dominant road course racer coming up into the ranks of of, of Cup and NASCAR. But um, so we can eliminate uh, Cendric. We can eliminate Bowman, be it based off if he just hasn't had uh, much. You know, a couple wins this year outside of that. He's been he's been really streaky on the outside. Um, Kurt Busch, there's a big maybe there. There's a lot of maybes with that whole situation. And what was the last one? Suarez, your amigo. Suarez, yeah, my amigo. Yeah, you know, <laughs> what what we've really seen now, I think that we all wanted my amigo to be talented. But when you see what Ross Chastain's done in the same equipment versus what Daniel Suarez does week in, week out, there's obviously Chastain has a lot more talent. Uh, than Suarez, because I believe Daniel Suarez is getting just as good of equipment over there in the 99. It's going to be very hard to take Suarez serious as a contender. Uh, the road course win was nice, and it was, it was a good feel-good thing for track house racing. But I think that we're finally able to really put a judgment on Suarez's ability. And the more I see and the more I see Chastain and how he runs up front and not so much for Suarez, I believe that we're we're running into a, a, a talent uh, situation there, and 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 though we want Torres to be successful, I don't think that he's as talented of a race car driver as we hoped him to be up to this point. So, um, that is the top sixteen. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. Does anybody believe that he can make the uh, be a serious con- contender in yes. the chase if he were to find his way in? Yes, because he's he's done it before. Martin Truex, he. He can win and anything you put him in, it doesn't matter. Martin Truex says he he can do it. Past champion. He, definitely a he past can, champion. He can do it. He can definitely do it. And then and also along the lines, he has no pressure. He's guaranteed a ride next year for one. And mm-hmm. two, he's already won a championship. So it's not like he's got something that's eluding him really. And based upon some of these tracks we're gonna be hitting, um Mile and a half, Kansas. We for the playoffs. We got that one. Uh, Bristol. He's back and forth on. Then you got to you can throw in Texas. Um, you can throw in the Charlotte Roval if you want. Vegas, Homestead. He's won at Homestead before. Martinsville. I think he's won at Martinsville before. And then there's Phoenix, which mm-hmm. Phoenix is. Phoenix is always. I feel like Phoenix has always been the Toyota. Uh, Toyota dominant track, so it seems like as of late it's Chevy that's getting that one. Cool. All right, well, that's contenders or pretenders. Uh, our nine to nine thirty segment, we went over just a little bit. We're running about eight minutes behind, but now we're going into one of our favorite activities of the week, and that's black flag checkered flag. Um, I hope you got your black flags ready. We're gonna start with Taz. Taz, what's your black flag checker flag of the weekend? Uh, black black flag for the week goes to uh, in the truck series, actually, because news broke out um, that there was a penalty report on the Chandler Smith team uh, fined for a lug nut violation this past weekend at Richmond. Uh, Chandler Smith, who drove the 18 Toyota to his third victory of the truck series season. 
his truck was found with a single unsecured lug nut and post-race check, and that resulted in a $2,500 fine to Danny Stockman. <laughs> mm, wow. That's definitely a um, penalty. Check your flag is going to go. I'm going to give it to Kevin Harvick again. Uh, to go from sleeper, non-contender, to all of a sudden, red hot streak, two wins in a row. All right. Uh, Jared, are you familiar with the segment? Black flag, checker flag? You'll give uh, where you feel like some need an improvement or maybe somebody who was out a lot or anything like that. You'll give them the black flag. You'll give the checker flag to something that you approve. Um, I would say the black flag, I say, uh, I've watched part of the truck race, so I didn't get to finish it, sadly. Uh, but on the cup series, I watched it. And if I had to pick a black flag, it'd probably be, uh, even though I'm a fan of Chastain, just Chastain running people over, uh, that would be the black flag. And then the checker flag, I remember what Chastain. Taz said. Yeah, yeah, com, com, look, he... Apparently he had too much Wheaties and Red Bull for the race. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, checkered flag. I got to go with what Taz said. Kevin Harvick showing showing that the old guys can still do it. And I'll say this: that new car is the best car ever in NASCAR, in my opinion, because you see so many teams, underfunded teams, that are winning races. And and these cars, it seems like all these these this new generation car is so equal, and it's just so many different people are winning across the board, and we're fixing to set a record for the most wins. <clears throat> yep. So uh, that's a that's a bold prediction there. Um, we had 17 winners last last season. Um, so uh, you know, my black flag's got to go to the truck series. How in the hell are we going to be off the next three weeks in the truck series? I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Got three weeks yep. off in a major competitive series. NASCAR, I've asked you from time from day one. Let's let's line up these ten races. Let's let everybody, all these, uh, uh, you know, the championship stay focused. Ten races, ten tracks, three divisions. So, you know, the the playoffs started a couple weeks ago, a couple races ago already for the truck series. I'm so lost in the truck series. I don't even know what, where my head stands at. So, black flag to NASCAR, you've got to get the truck series more involved, even if it's that you start the season later. I don't know what you do, but something's got to give. Three weeks off for a national touring series is just not uh, its not acceptable, not not in this day and age. Of, uh, we, we, need to see, we need to see the trucks, and they need to be in competition the same time as the Xfinity and the uh and the cup cars um you know my checker flag of course was probably going to go to kevin harvick uh because of what he was able to do you know it's spectacular i really wondered if he was going to pass tech uh but uh, i will go beyond that and since you guys have already chose that i will go with a checker flag to nascar creating a car that will once again uh be uh, uh something that I, other drivers throughout the racing community are interested in driving. Um, the Road Ringer, I believe, the whole point of the Road Ringer, whether or not it was Road Ringer or something else, I, I think we kind of missed on the something else. I believe this is something else. I believe that um, NASCAR has made themselves, um, once again, 
uh, challenging for the top spot of motorsports. So we always want to say, okay, well, F1's dominant around the world, and we look at the we look at the TV stands. And we're like, okay, well, NASCAR still beats F1 in the in the TV in the in uh, the TV stats, but F1 is a worldwide sport. Like, there's a many more people around the world that watch Formula One that don't watch NASCAR, right? This weekend at Watkins Glen, when you have Kimi Raikkonen in a, at Watkins Glen in a cup car, you're going to have people from around the world tuning in to this race. And so that's right. um, that, that is, that is – uh, there is nothing beyond that, that that I think that is more attractive uh, for our sport than having onlookers from outside of our country uh, interested in what's going on in NASCAR. Because to be honest with you, um, oval racing is not that well accepted in the Formula One community. Um, they're not very well accepted in in the world of racing because they they make fun of them. You go, you make left turns. They don't understand the true competition of left hand turns. And uh, so this, you know, being able to attract these guys from other forms and styles of racing is going to help NASCAR. And so with that, I'll give them the checker flag. Awesome. So, so I want to touch on something with Checker Flag real quick, and this is coming in for yesterday and today. Stuart Friesen running a 360 sprint car uh, in quite some time. Finished second last night at Oswego Speedway, and he tonight he, qual- he had to qualify into the A main. You're the B main, won the B main, and came from the back to finish sixth. And he's currently running in the Pinty Series uh, right now for 22 racing, currently sitting in the sixth spot, challenging for fifth with 80 laps to go. All right. So that's the Stewie update. Um, hopefully you got flow racing and you're going to be able to watch the Pinty Series. Uh, I haven't been able to keep my eye on it, um, but uh, I will be as soon as the show ends. Uh, Is there on the dirt track, Chris? You got to watch the dirt track racing. Yep, yep. So I believe they're up at Outlaw Speedway, which is just a few miles from the Watkins Glen facility. Am I, am I wrong, Taz? Oh no, they're at Oswegan, which is uh, north of the border. Oh, okay, that's Canadian. Okay, all right, all right. Yep. Cool. And the Penny Series is the Canadian race car series for NASCAR, I guess. Yeah, where the cup cars kind of look like the pennies cars, not going to lie. Yeah. All right, so uh, I guess we're going into our one of our final segments of the evening where we make our prediction uh, for Watkins Glen. Uh, a lot of bold, bold predictions have already come out here tonight. Uh, of course, we've talked a lot about the uh, the guys who are filling in. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger being one of those guys on the list. Uh, you, you, you know, you... You can't say, oh, AJ is the best in the business and then not think that he's going to not get picked here this evening uh, when we make our picks for who's who, who's going to win. The, the the problem is, do you pick them in the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series, or do you just pick them in one and, and not the other? That's Both. something that's, uh, that's – yeah, that's something we're going to see here uh, in, in just a few minutes. Um, I guess I get to lead things off, don't I? Yes. Yeah, we're gonna do. Yep. We'll do um, our last order, which was Chris, myself, Jason, Craig, 
and Miss Lee, because I haven't had a chance to update points yet, but I will have a chance probably tomorrow or Thursday, definitely well, before the weekend. We know I'm in last place, so that's uh, that that there won't be any anybody upset that I get to pick first. So you know, on the Xfinity side, of course, AJ Allmendinger has dominated almost all the road courses this year in the Xfinity. And, you know, eventually you have to think, okay, luck's going to run out um, and you're going to have to make another pick. I think the last road course we, we went to, I picked Ty Gibbs, and uh, I think I fared pretty well on that one. Maybe I didn't. I can't really remember. But um, so on the Xfinity side, you know, you've got Justin Algear, who's been a pretty decent road racer, uh, of course, Junior Motorsports being one of the top organizations. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know how many times this year I picked outside of of Hendrick. I, I really, I've been kind of Hendrick's trapped or, or Junior Junior Motorsports trapped uh, throughout most of the season. I think I have picked Ty Gibbs a few times uh, and AJ maybe. So man, I don't know. Like I, I, I guess I'm just going to go with AJ Almendinger and hope the best. Oh man. Uh, Oh man! I know. I feel, I feel like I'm on. Yeah, Chris. Chris, I, Chris, I'm going to say this right now. I have a feeling you're going to be changing your pick, or somebody's going to be changing their pick, because I'll get to the end because you'll understand why, why I'm reacting the way I'm yeah. reacting. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of figure what's going on here, and I, and I feel like probably knowing other people's picks, I may have used that to my advantage. So that I can actually try to gain some points here, uh, but we'll we'll go like I'm not really playing anything and playing the game here. Uh, I'm gonna go with AJ Allmendinger on both sides of the fence. I'm going uh, with AJ for the Cup win, and I'm going with AJ for the Xfinity win. And the way that I look at it is, you know, if I get cut out of the Xfinity because everybody's picked the same guy, uh, then at least uh, it will be on a, on a level playing field in the Xfinity, and I picked the best driver to win. Uh, on the cuff side. So, um, yes, I'm going to go with that and both of the races. Who are you picking for Cup? AJ. No. Oh. He's an Xfinity yeah. regular. We cannot pick him. Oh, damn. I just threw the tool wrench at you. <laughs> Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush. Okay. All right. So now the question, Chris. I don't think Kyle Bush is going to run well at Watkins Glen, man. Damn, I don't know what I'm thinking. Now the question, <laughs> Chris, is I'm going to ask you this. If you could not pick A.J. Allmendinger, who would be your secondary Xfinity pick? And now you're going to start to understand why I reacted the way I did. Yeah, I, th- I think I've, I was already on cue with uh, with what was going on here, especially I, I think the only one I didn't know whose pick was yours. Um, and you can still throw a wrench in the in the bucket here, but uh, it was really it was, it was well thought out for me to pull this, but I did not think about AJ not being able to be picked. Uh, on the cup side, so uh, process of elimination. Uh, I, I, you know, I've got to stay within the uh, the broad. I'm going to go with Gibbs 
uh, at the road course if I if I have to give up AJ. All right. So I was going to pick Almondinger. Then everyone started picking Almondinger, so I was like, all right, I'm going to have to fall back on my secondary pick. So I'm going with my secondary pick of he's a road course he's a good driver in the road courses. Out of the Junior Motorsports camp, I'm going Justin Allgaier. Whoa, so there's not going to be a holdup. Wow, okay. All righty. So, with that being said, one at this track, not once, but twice, and his first win at Watkins Glen was also his first ever Cup Series win. That pick is Chase Elliott. Face to face. That's right. Now, Jason's pick. We're we're gonna have to get a secondary uh, Xfinity pick out of him because he picked Almendinger for Xfinity, and he's got Chase Elliott as well on the Cup side. For Craig, oh, for Craig, we're gonna have to do the same thing for him on the Xfinity side. Get a secondary pick. His cup pick, however, is going to blow your mind, Chris, because he picked a Ford out of the RFK camp of Chris Busher. Yeah, man, that's right. Wow. Which Chris had a second place finish at uh, at Sonoma, Christopher Busher. And Miss Lee's pick, she's got... AJ Almendinger in the Xfinity, so we're going to have to get a secondary pick out of her. Uh, I've not seen a cup pick out of her either. Um, I believe. We're wait- so we're waiting on secondary Xfinity and a cup pick from her. She was. Oh, wait, hold on. She's chiming in. Yeah, I think she is. Hold on, folks. She's chiming in. I'm interested to see where where she's going to swing for the fence here. She's oh, come on, Miss Lee. She's going left field, right field. <laughs> I always see it in like home field. run. See it moving. So, secondary dinger pick and. I mean, we Secondary. knew that, that was going to be what happened. That's why we did that. That's why we that's why we put that rule in there, because we knew that there was a possibility that a certain driver would dominate at a certain place, and we would all be on that bandwagon. So very rarely do we all agree on one thing, and uh, I think we, we had it happen last year. <laughs> right, right. We had right. it happen last last year. I think it was a mile and a half track, and. Uh, we all said Kyle Larson, and we had to go to uh, our secondary pocket. Oh, she's going Kyle Larson for Watkins Glen, and Ty Gibbs as her secondary. All right. And Kyle Larson. Dang. So that's everybody's picks. Uh, What about you, Jared? Just for fun, what, what are your picks? All right. Um... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Almondinger because he's hard to beat on the Xfinity series and let's see uh, Cup series. 
I'm going to be the odd man out. I'm going to say Daniel Suarez. He's going to get a win for Daniel's Amigos. And he's going to put Daniel's Amigos on on the top because he's, he's shown that he's really good at road courses after that one win he had this year. So that's who I'm East picking. East Coast to West Coast. East Coast yes. to West Coast, right? That, that's it. There you go. Craig, we would need secondary picks for Xfinity since everyone had Almendinger as a pick. All right. Well, um, other than Monday's headlines today, um, I'm not sure if my Monday's headlines today is going to be a reflection of my pick. I'm not confident in my pick. I really, I'm not. I don't know why I said Kyle Busch. I really don't. Um, because my, my 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 headline Monday's headline today would be Blaney. Blaney makes his uh, his coming out parties. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't real. That doesn't well, align itself with my pick. But I'm not willing to pick Blaney. Uh, I want to stick with uh, my hunt on Gibbs because that was the first thing out of my mouth. And so I'm sure Gibbs, uh, not Gibbs, uh, Kyle Busch will wreck within lap five. Um, so, oh, uh, Kyle Busch is good at road courses, so you might want to feel good about your pick. Because Kyle Busch, yeah. it don't matter what you put Kyle Busch in, he could he could take a tricycle out there and win the race. So Blaney can still secure his spot, uh, I believe. <laughs> at at uh, Watkins Glen. So maybe maybe that uh, maybe both predictions. Uh, come true. Uh, Taz Taylor, Monday's headlines today? Monday's headlines today. Here we go. Stuart Friesen may have had two top ten finishes in the sprint cars at Oswegan Speedway, but Stuart Friesen finishes on the podium at Pin- in the Pinty Series at Oswegan. The big, bold headline is going to be he wins the race. Wow. All right. Dominating, dominating the weekend. Since, uh, He's currently third with 67 to go. Right, all right. As soon as we get that off, uh, as soon as we get off here, I'm going to turn it on. Um, Monday's headlines today, Jared. This is where we make predictions of Monday's headlines. All right. Um, Monday's headlines, you're probably going to see somebody. And you know what? It would be interesting to see Chris Buescher get the win this weekend. So you may see that Monday because he's been on such a hot streak as far as his finishes. And then, and then of course, all the guys keep saying, you know, you know, Chris Buescher is between Chris Buescher and Ryan Blaney. And you never know, you may see Chris Buescher on the top of the headlines. Okay. Well, that's Monday's headlines today. Did uh, anybody else put any in? No new winner at the Glen by Ms. Lee. So, uh, no new winner. Um, that means somebody that's already won this year is going to be in the win column. It would be interesting to see A.J. Allmendinger with picking up the win uh, because that would be um, the 16th winner, but it would not, it would not affect the chase. So, that, that's, that's a wild card right there. Um, AJ Allmendinger could most definitely win the race, and then still because he wouldn't be, be in the ch- he wouldn't be eligible. Right, right, right. Yeah, Jared, we want to thank you for coming on RCA uh, Race Chat Live here tonight. Uh, Miss Lee just sent you a, a thank you as well. Uh, she was supposed to fill in, but something happened, and uh, yeah, it's just an extended part of the team. And we appreciate you uh, coming on on the last minute and kind of helping us fill the gap there. I don't know how in the heck we're going to do it, but we're going to close out on time here tonight. Uh, we've been behind schedule all the whole night long, but uh, we've pulled out the right pit stops 
and we're going to take the checkered flag right at our scheduled 9 o'clock time. So, uh, Taz Taylor, if you'll close it out for us, I'll get the music ready. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening along to Race Chat Live. Uh, we want to let you know you can always listen to us on any form of uh, podcasting format, which could be not only Blog Talk Radio, but maybe on podpage.com, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, uh, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Deezer, and on YouTube. Thank you to our sponsors, uh, Phoenix Fitness, Bears Bullish Market Talk Group, Carolina Sports Plus. And this has been another Tuesday night race chat live here on Blog Talk Radio. This has been the caution flag of racing radio, Chris Creighton, the DJ music man, Craig Moore. Special shout out to Southern Dirt Track Report uh, host slash producer, Jared Hudson. I'm the Tasmanian Double Flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying good night. We'll see you same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday on Race Chat Live. Please share the show, and we'll see y'all next Tuesday night. Bye. Thanks, Jared. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they were born. Straightening the curve, planting the hill. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way, the only way they know how. That's just a little bit Change if they could Fighting the system like a two modern day Robin Hood Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.